0: day three she didn't wake up and the next day she hadn't woken and this is a person who had no basic even reflexes had almost gone so i went over to her and this is a, a comatose person who can't move and i whispered in her ear and i said honey if you want to go to jesus the kids and i are fine and she gave an almighty great kick with her leg frightened the life out of me i just jumped back and said okay you're not going anywhere that's fine you're staying we all understand that <laughs> Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope
1: for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life, and Real Faith with Eric Scatterbo. John and Robin Gibbs served as missionaries in the Solomon Islands back in the 1980s and have recently gone through some serious medical dramas where they were told that Robin would die but God has restored her back to health. We'll hear their story today. John and Robin, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Glad to have you with us here, and let's find out your story today. Going all the way back to your childhood, I understand that both of you have a rich Christian heritage in your background. Let's start with you, John. Tell us about your childhood.
0: Well, grew up in a, in a Christian family. My grandparents, that were my mother's parents, were very godly people. On my father's side, there was... Uh, missionaries to Africa. There was um, people that worked in the Aboriginal missions in Central Australia. So I grew up with all, all these input in my life and mm-hmm. and they were honoured people. Mm-hmm. So when the when the missionaries came home, it was a big deal to go and meet them and and see them. And yeah, I just, just grew up with that and just always wanted to serve God.
1: Mm. And for you, Robin, what was your childhood like?
2: Um, I wasn't real sure what anyone was, I was only a child, but I always remember my grandmother on my mother's side, my mum's mum, and she just was always this sort of godly woman. Mm. Um and I loved her and um I always felt really nice near her. She was a happy I don't know, there was just there was something actually very special about my Nan that I really loved. I couldn't have said what that was. But as I grew, I understood I know what it was. It was the Christianity in her. It Mm. was Christ in her that was drawing me. And I was always just attracted to that from, gosh, very young, very, very young. As a seven-year-old, I remember so well. My favorite cousin, his name was Scott, he died. We were both the same age. Mm. So my cousin died, and um, that was a huge disaster in my life in Mm. a way. Didn't see much of him, but when I did, we just got on really, really well. And uh, he was a very special young boy.
1: What impact did that have on you?
2: (sighs) I was seven years old. It's a bit hard to say what sort of impact, except that I know I drew a picture at school. Mm. um, And I think it's sort of a house, but it's the wrong shape. It's got an aerial, so my dad was a TV repairman. So Mm. I sort of had all my life in this house. But there was also a cross, and I think there was a coffin in the picture, if if I remember. Mm. Once again, I drew that when I was about seven. Um, Still got the picture. and Yeah. And uh, so... In that picture, sort of, my this is my life and Scott died. And in a way, just the sort of bluntness of Scott died, that almost explains it. It was like, he's not here now. Hmm. He's gone. I remember being very, very scared, I'm going to die. He's He was seven and he died. Mm-hmm. So, what's going to happen to me when I...
1: So, at a young age, you're yeah. already thinking about eternity. Yes. And life yeah. after death or what happens to you after you die. Exactly. Do you yeah. think that kind of spurred you into a deeper... Questioning about spirituality?
2: It probably did, but I don't recognize anything specific from that, only that I know God's been with me the whole way through. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, going back to you, John, what was the next milestone in your life? Um,
0: Going to a camp when I was, I think, about 11 or 12, and I gave my heart to the Lord. And I just remember the the joy of that and coming coming back home. And about the same time, when I got back to school, I was Form 1 in secondary school, and the Gideons would come around and hand out the Bibles. Mm-hmm. And I remember treasuring that. I, I was, and some of the other kids threw theirs in the bin. Mm. And the horror, in you know, why would you throw the Bible mm. away? You know, know. To me, that was really precious. And and then it was youth club, and then it was, and we, we had a wonderful youth club, great support from older people in the church, from the minister. It was just a great time of building, and large numbers of those kids are still walking with the Lord now. Yeah. So it's awesome.
1: So now both of you became Christians at a very young age, but there was more of a desire than that. You wanted to take it the next step <laughs> in your spiritual growth.
0: Yeah. When I was 11, again, our Sunday school teacher, I still remember sitting around the table, about six or eight of us boys, and he said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that all went around. They want to be policemen and firemen and pilots mm-hmm. and all this. Shit. And they came around to me. I was the last in line.
1: And um, I said, I want to be a missionary. And they all laughed at me. So did you even know about missionaries? Oh, well, of course, you had that heritage. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So that was in your thinking, yeah. and you had great role models Mm. of what that was like. What about you,
2: Robin? Well, I remember when I was about 14, I watched, I think it was Peace Child. Is that the Mm -hmm. one with the little baby that they had to hand over or whatever? Yeah, and uh, I was quite taken with that movie, and I think I really wanted to somehow work. I didn't have the words, I want to be a missionary, but. I want to work with these little black children. I want to work with Mm -hmm. black people. I want to do something like this. And Um, if I
1: remember correctly, the documentary Peace Child is about a missionary in Papua New Guinea. Is that correct? I
2: can't remember, but possibly. So
1: so that had a huge impact on your life. Yeah. Let's fast forward to when did the two of you finally meet? Youth group. (laughs) Good old youth group. Yeah. And um, where was this?
2: In In, Benalla. In
0: Benalla, 1975. And um, yeah, we were just kids at youth group. How old were you? I was 18, Robin was 16. We fell in
1: love and got married 15 months later. Now, did you know, before we get to your marriage, (laughs) did you kind of know that both of you were very serious about your faith in the Lord?
2: I certainly knew I was serious about mine. What I understood of it, I was doing whatever. I was Mm -hmm. being me. I was doing lots of things silly and foolishly. I was doing lots of things good. A real mixture, I guess. But what attracted you to this guy? Well, mm. on one of our youth group snow trips, we're on a bus heading out to the snow, so about a 2-hour journey, and I just I was sitting in about the middle of the bus and I turned around towards the back, don't know why even. Um, once again I was probably 15, 16, 16, 16 I think. And so I turned around and I saw this lovely-looking young man and I turned back and thought, "Wow, He's really nice. Oh, he was sitting with his girlfriend. Oh. And it wasn't me <laughs> at the
1: time. Uh, John, maybe you can help us out here.
0: yo, 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 yeah. I had another girlfriend at the time. but that, Oh, no, it's all coming on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then that ended and then I, I'd seen Robin at, at youth group and her devotion, she was the treasurer. <laughs> And if you didn't pay your twenty cents, look oh, out—you oh. had Robin after you. So I thought, wow, this is a diligent young lady. <laughs> good looking, good looking to boot. So, yeah. good looking and diligent—that's it. <laughs> and that's nothing's how it all changed. Started. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> there you know, nothing's
1: changed. So, you said that you married not long after.
0: Yeah, fifteen months later, we were, we were married,
1: mm-hmm. and, and you were only 19? And nineteen. And Robin, green as grass and dumb as dirt, we had no idea what we were doing. A significant part of your journey together as a couple was that not long after you met john you had a serious motorcycle accident yes
0: yes back in the 70s when motorcycles were more powerful than they should have been Mm. um i visited robin at seven o'clock 7 p.m every day and very diligent just like your wife yep (laughs) because i wasn't allowed in before seven at seven (laughs) o'clock i was on the front door And I I left my house on the other side of town on the motorbike and um, checked the watch and it was quarter two and I thought, I've got enough time to just duck out of town and we had a two-mile straight stretch of bitumen we called the drag strip with no houses apart from one in the middle along that road. So it was a deserted piece of straight bitumen and I went out there for a quick run Mm -hmm. and at about somewhere above 100 miles an hour, the front tire let go and spat spat me down the road and I finished up landing in the drain in front of the house and they called the, the ambulance, and they carted me off. I didn't know any of this at the time. And then, sometime in that in the hospital, I remember sort of waking and, and looking up, and then I started to float up off the bed. Oh, and wow! I thought, just
1: like the stories you hear. Yeah,
0: I, I was just floating up and thinking, "Well, this this is a bit of a trip, you know? What's yeah. going on here?" And then I got right up to the corner of the room, and I looked down, and I could see myself on the table, and, and the doctors, and nurses yeah, frantically and working on me.
1: Body experience. And I'm
0: going what the heck's going on here? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was taken away at incredible speed and and where I went, I don't know. I'm not going to stretch theology to work out where I went, yeah. but I went into this place that was perfectly most pure white and absolutely enveloped in pure love. Mm. You could feel waves of love just flowing through your body. It was so mm. warm and so bright and that. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is so beautiful. And I thought, no, mum will be really sad and and me girlfriend, but I I just want to stay. It's so nice. And someone spoke. I don't remember seeing a face, but someone spoke and said, you've got to go back. Hmm. And I said, no, I don't want to. It's so good here. And they said, no, you've got to go back. And then, boom,
1: I was awake. What kind of impact do you think that had on your thinking at that point in your life?
0: It just stretched it in all directions because for a long time, I couldn't quite work out why and how and also why me. Mm. Yeah, and then I realised because I was a little bit addicted to speed, the uh, miles per hour speed, speed. on the motorcycle, well, and sorry. I thought, no, nah, I need to stop pushing the boundaries here. Mm. Yeah, one of these days the
1: angel mightn't be on duty, and I'll be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be a problem. <laughs> Our guests today are John and Robin Gibbs sharing their life journey. We're going to take a break and when we return, we'll hear more of their story, including how they eventually go on to serve as missionaries in the Solomon Islands and also how Robin went through a serious health scare. All that and more coming up when we return right here on Real Faith.
0: Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources, and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au
1: Welcome back. I'm Eric Skadbo, and our guests today are John and Robin Gibbs sharing their life journey. Before the break, we heard how they were married, and unfortunately, right at that same time that they were married, they found out that Robin's parents were having struggles in their marriage.
2: Yeah, um, they were just going through their own hell. um, Mm -hmm. Had been for a few years when that culminated in my mum leaving and uh, my dad following her. Mm And they ended up in Melbourne. Dad got another job in Melbourne, and oh my goodness, and we followed them only to just check on them. And it was all a bit of a—it was a horrible time actually. And they were going through such a dreadful time themselves. They weren't horrible people by any mm. stretch. They weren't cruel to each other or anything. Just weren't coping anymore. Yeah, yeah. Just well, just couldn't cope with themselves anymore, mm. really. And uh, and being a child of theirs. I'm trying to cope with this whole mess and I don't know what's up and down and I'm getting married yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And You're oh. trying
1: to start out yeah. in marriage. The people who you kind of look to as role models yeah. are having their struggles. So That's that had right. to be a bit uh, disconcerting for you?
2: It was pretty horrible. I remember at the first three-ish days of our marriage, um, I just cried. Mm. I just cried all the time. We ended up visiting a minister on our honeymoon because I was a mess and I mm. needed help desperately. Wow. But I knew my help was in God. Always knew that he was the only one mm. who could help me. I hadn't really been through a lot of personal, inner spiritual stuff at that stage myself. I was bordering on it, but I just knew I had to stick with God. Mm -hmm. Somehow he was sticking with me, and uh, somehow we got through.
1: And the good news is that your parents eventually reunited?
2: Yes, they were. And that was great because then my dad a few years later got very sick and my mum nursed him for 15 years until mm. he passed away. And um, it was a lovely, it was, once again, it wasn't a perfect relationship, mm. but it was beautiful, um, mum looking after him and caring for him. And, yeah, it was really quite special. In,
0: in many ways, your father rededicated his life to God, didn't mm. he really? He became mm. more outward in his faith in, mm. in those yeah. years
1: once they reunited again. So, mm. <laughs> Now, both of you at a young age felt called to be missionaries, so we're tracking along with your life journey mm. you're married now you have your first child and then you eventually go on a work party to tonga is that right john yeah yeah just out of the
0: blue our minister came up to me one day and he said there's this there was a big cyclone and tsunami and that in in tonga had destroyed a lot of the place and i was a uh, working as a carpenter and he he said to me there's a work party going to tonga and there's someone in the church willing to pay for your ticket if you want to go oh well i'm I'm in. <laughs> Put your hand up
1: and you, there you are.
0: And yeah, so I went off and, and we had a marvellous time over there, built 13 houses in two weeks, mm-hmm. our team, little prefab houses. And yeah, just a wonderful time. And then a few months later, uh, Australian Council of the Churches rang me up and said, look, we've got a project developing cyclone-proof housing in Tonga. Would you come back and, and sort of help design and build that sort of thing? So I went back a second time.
1: And then you had your next missionary experience, going to the Solomon Islands. Mm. But and this that, time, it was all of you. Yep,
2: that was amazing. I mean, we just knew but that it was long term. Yes, yeah, that, well, it was for a year. Oh, okay. But at the towards the end of the first year, they asked John to stay on another year, mm-hmm. and we said yes.
0: But it's it's one of those things that I think it's in in our DNA when when God brings forth an opportunity, we grab it. Mm-hmm. And just want to encourage people: don't let them slip by, because time and time again, mm-hmm. there'll be something come up. I remember we did a missions training course in Sydney and there was an old Anglican guy there and he said God called him to go to Vanuatu, but he decided not to because the weather mightn't suit him. Well, and I thought, what did you miss? Yeah, yeah. What did you miss? Yeah.
1: If God's calling you, yeah. he's going to get you through whatever. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to be yeah, easy. Yeah, Like some of the
0: experiences in the Solomons yeah, with illnesses and mm-hmm. incidents that happened, you know, it's, it
1: really challenges for mm. <laughs> Okay, so both of you served the Lord in many different ways, two years as missionaries in the Solomon Islands, also being very involved in your local church and worship and youth group and all that. And can we fast forward to the point where you had some serious health challenges?
2: Sure. Yeah, we were living in another town by then, Marimbula, I think, yeah. And uh, I started to get uh, ulcers on my... or No, I had a little lump on one leg, and I think I picked it, which Hmm. I tend to do things like that, unfortunately. and from then it just got worse and worse and it grew into quite a large, I don't know exactly how large, a fairly big thing. Um, we were sort of doing our best to look after it. But all the time through mm. that sort of, I wasn't sick. I had something happen, if you like. Um, the ulcers was all I knew about. Mm. Um, so as that journey, especially that about a year of that journey, 2014 I think was the year, um, different ones were starting to say, you really need to get that checked out, you really need to see a doctor, mm. you need, etc. etc." et cetera. Yeah. And anyway, I eventually did end up in hospital. Um, once again, just... In a sense, due to the pressure of others, I didn't even get home that day. Went to the doctors. They did a blood test. My blood sugar level was sky high. It's supposed to be between, I don't even know what that means, but between five and eight. Mm. I was 33. Wow. It was straight to hospital. Do not pass Good go. Good went to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so then basically seven months later, I was in hospital mm. for a long, long time. But in the early days- So you stayed of, oh, in
1: the hospital for seven months? Yes. Is that- Oh, wow.
2: Yes. The first three days, a period of about three days, I was out of it. I wasn't yeah, that was, functioning.
0: They did. They cleaned up the ulcer on the leg and mm-hmm. then transferred her to Canberra because mm-hmm. they said there was such a big hole where they cleaned the ulcer up that she'd need a skin graft. Mm-hmm. And we were in Canberra for five days and all of a sudden I was having, she was in bed and I was having morning tea with her. And she just, her eyes rolled back and she shook and fell back into the bed and, and came to saying, my head, my head, what's, what's wrong with me? And it turned out it would be an artery at the base of the brain had burst. Oh wow! And yeah, they threw me out into the corridor, and the doctors turned up and they hit the emergency button. The whole emergency team turned this up. This is not sounding good. No, and they just threw me out into the corridor, and, and they wheeled her off down and gone, and the peace of God just flooded me. Mm. So that did me brain in. I should yeah. be. I'd be. I should be frantic and anxious. And, yeah, yeah. and I'm peaceful. They raced her off down, and I was starting to panic a little. Hmm. And I thought, I'm in a town that I don't know, a city. I don't know anyone in this this place, and I really needed to talk to someone because they were busy plugging Robin into machinery and hoses and leads and heaven knows what. Wow. And I thought, my son works in Canberra sometimes. He was based out at Yass at the time. And I thought, oh, I'll ring him. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's in town today. And I rang up and I said, son, I need you. Where are you? He said, "Actually, I'm three floors below you."
1: Really? He, really?
0: He'd brought his wife in for a, a pre-baby.
1: She was pregnant. Just so happened to be there. Just at the happened. Time. Isn't oh a coincidence a wonderful thing? Oh my goodness! <laughs> so we went down to the the surgical area. You didn't even know if he was in the same city as no. you. Oh wow, wow!
0: And we went down to that down to the, where they were preparing Robin for surgery, and Neethus just came out with a little chart and said, "Well," looked at Robin and shook his head and. Because she'd wasted away with mm. with the diabetes, she'd got very thin, and he mm. just shook his head and he's he said, "Well, forty percent of people die, thirty percent finish up in a nursing home, and thirty percent get to go home." And I said, "I'll have one and three, but she's not going to a nursing home." Mm. And he just looked at me with a stunned look. And um, long and the short, they did the operation and reconnected or blocked off the, the leaking artery, but in the meantime, all the blood had, had leaked into the brain cavity. And the brain had shut down totally. And, um, yeah, so when the next day I come in and, and she's in ICU and just laying there motionless, wired to about 20 machines, and mm. and it was just incredible. And about the third day, they couldn't wake her. The only thing they could do every shift, they would wake her and check her reflexes and, mm-hmm. and yeah. she'd wake for maybe a minute and just drop back to sleep every, you know, that's once every eight hours. But day three, she didn't wake up. And the next day, she hadn't hadn't woken and this is a person who had no basic even reflexes had almost gone mm. where they scraped the bottom of your foot and, and nothing had happened Oh wow. and I still had this peace and our mm. kids they'd, they'd come up too and they, and they were just feeling this peace and we're going well obviously she's dying and God's preparing us for this mm. so I went over to her and this is a, a comatose person who can't move and I whispered in her ear and I said honey if you want to go to Jesus the kids and I are fine and she gave an almighty great kick with her leg. <laughs> Frightened the life out of me. And I, th- I just jumped back and said, okay, you're not going anywhere. That's fine. You're staying. We all understand that. And, uh, Do you yeah. remember any no, of this? No, no, none of it. No.
2: But we think it was at a time when all I – I don't know how you can remember darkness, but I sort of mm. know there was nothing here. Then there was this little moment of whatever you want to call it, connected to the myself again or something mm. and then darkness again. But that little moment could have well have mm. been when John spoke to me mm. and in that moment I just I can see it so vividly or I was in total blackness, but I feel like I was awake and I'm just saying to God, God I want to live, God I want to live, mm-hmm. God I want to live. So, like I said, there was nothing before that and there was nothing after it. Uh, once I was home, I don't recall exactly, wasn't day one, but sort of in those early months, lying in bed, because my first year at home, I was pretty much in bed as well. And I'm lying there and saying, oh, God, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have asked to live. I, sh- I should have died. I should have asked to die. Because what am I? I'm lying in my own bed at home and I'm nothing. I can do nothing. And um, anyway, and I... S- remembered that I had been saying, God, I want to live. And then into my mind came the scripture that said, I lay before you life and death, choose life. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, oh, I chose life. God was showing me, Robin, you chose life. Mm -hmm. You wanted to live. I've let you live. Mm -hmm. You're living. You're alive. And it was like, that was a moment of, well, let's get on with it. I didn't jump out of bed, but... Mm -hmm. I just knew. Okay, I chose life. Mm-hmm. Let's get on with this life. I need to live, and every every day point. since it, yeah, every mm-hmm. day since everything went bung, it has just been this continuous, gradual mm-hmm. increase of wellness the whole way through, mm-hmm. and I say it's still the same today. Really, that is still happening. And how am, long ago was that?
1: Four, five, five years. Five, almost years,
0: five ago. years ago, okay. the artery burst. Yeah. But after a week in ICU, the, the head doctor of ICU came to me and said, we've got to talk. And I thought, oh, well, this doesn't sound good. Mm. And Because I'd tested Robin for everything. Every day she was having more and more tests to try and find out what was going on because they were convinced there was something else apart from the diabetes that they'd discovered. And the doctor came to me and said, uh, your wife definitely has cancer. All us doctors have concurred. Your wife definitely has cancer. She is definitely dying. Call the family and prepare the funeral. Sorry. Really? Thank you very much. (laughs) So, but God dropped into my spirit at that time. No, there's nothing wrong with Robin. Hmm. I just had this knowing that there's nothing wrong with it. Yes, she has diabetes. It'll run its course. She'll pick up. She'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Over the next months in hospital, she just got better and better. And the the surgeon that had done the the, uh, repair of the artery that had burst, he'd gone on holidays not long after he did Robin's surgery, and he came back about a month or two later, and I remember him storming into the room. He had no bedside manner at all, brilliant Mm. surgeon. Mm. But he walked up to the bed, and he goes, huh, congratulations, Mrs Gibbs, nothing wrong with you. (laughs) And he turned around and looked at me and said, she'll probably just get out of bed and walk out of here. Well, not quite, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) She just got better and better and better, and yeah, we had to go through rehab. But I remember loading her into the car after seven months in hospital, And driving off and then going, oh, my goodness, we're on our own now. Hmm. But God was with us all the way. It was just amazing. And time and time again, she defied the doctor's Hmm. predictions and
1: she's got a driver's license back again back doing
0: most things again wow
1: fantastic unfortunately we're quickly running out of time but we should say that you also served as missionaries in other parts of the world and you went to Bible school and you became a pastor can you in our remaining few moments can you kind of sum up some of the service that you've had I just felt to do Bible college training I did
0: it by correspondence and we were challenged at a meeting to ask God where you would be Mm -hmm. in in 12 months time and he said well Malakut and we didn't know much about it finished up become pastors there for eight years and Robin was heavily involved in all things
2: youth music
0: puppets drama
2: preaching yeah. heaps of all stuff all
1: yeah so the vision and desire that God planted in both of you at such a young age mm-hmm. at about 11 12 years old
0: mm-hmm.
1: to serve him and be missionaries manifested itself mm. in your 40s going overseas to do missions trips but also to serve as a pastor here in mm. Australia mm.
2: Absolutely, and it's, it's been fantastic. Like, it's been very full. It's had its bad moments. It's had its good moments. Walking through life with God at the helm for everything mm-hmm. is the only way to go. We've thoroughly enjoyed our life. I mean, I'm not saying it hasn't had bad moments. We've yep. had quite Challenges. a lot of bads. Yep. Yeah, yep. but um, overall, fantastic. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to do it any other way. God is everything. Yeah. He is life. He's our life.
0: Yeah, and you've got to keep God in front. Every mm-hmm. time there's a decision, God where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Don't run to man, go to God first. He may direct
1: you to to people to give you advice, but always go to God first. Mm-hmm. An incredible journey for both of you. Mm-hmm. John and Robin Gibbs, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
2: Thank you for having us. <laughs>
1: thank you so much. Our guests today have been John and Robin Gibbs.